0: not just some of your faces. Um, Like Paul said, my name is Steve Martell. I'm one of the elders at RLA in Los Angeles. My second time being here with you, looks a lot different from uh, 2021. And I I believe that that's God moving. I believe that's God's building. I believe um, you all have a part to play in that. And I think it's a a great, great thing to see this church growing, this church uh, looking a little different, looking a little younger, um, got some veterans in here, and um, I think uh, that's that's a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is going to look like, Amen. All right, so we have um, we ha- we had an amazing amazing night, an amazing weekend here. Um, like Minda said, it started with um, a community group, a prayer, and it was powerful prayer. Um, then the ladies had their amazing craft time and events, um, followed by an amazing time with the young guys, and. Um, my question for this church isn't what do we do now? What what do we do now, right? We're having all these amazing things, things are happening, God is moving, the church is growing, lives are changing, so what do we do now, right? I think that's an important question to ask ourselves, each and every one of us that's in the life of this church. Um, If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to uh, Acts chapter two? And for time's sake, I'm not gonna read the whole chapter I'm going to have some points here, and then we'll jump in through uh, verse 36. But at this, por- this portion of Scripture, Jesus has now ascended. He's, he's, he's in heaven. He is alive. He is in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is now coming in power. Um, the, the, the disciples, the apostles, the believers, they're meeting in this room. The Holy Spirit is fallen. Everyone is amazed. It's a high moment, and it's a high point in, in, in what's happening here in the lives of, uh, of these followers of Jesus. Tongues of fire has fallen, everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit, God is moving. Something is happening, something big is happening with this church. People begin to speak in other languages and other tongues, and, and it, the Bible says that uh, tongues of fire has fallen on each of them. They begin to hear their own languages being spoken uh, by, by each other that, that they would not know. It, it's, a, it's a miraculous, powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Peter then begins to preach, and, and like every good preacher, you look for an opportunity to just preach, right? So he stands up, and he begins to preach Jesus Christ as, resurrected, as the resurrected Messiah, telling everybody what he has done for them, crucified, and then um, um, ascending into heaven. And whatever Peter was saying, those words pierced the hearts of all of the believers. God was moving. There was a high. There was something special happening at that moment, at this time right? His words pierced everyone's hearts. Then somebody in the crowd asked this question, what should we do? What should we do? Look what is happening around us. What, what is, this is, is it a, it's an amazing, miraculous moment. What should we do? Peter then begins to say, repent, turn to God, get baptized, and then 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord on the spot and choose to get baptized. It's the gospel. Repent. Turn from your old ways. Turn from your sins. Stop doing what you're doing and turn to God. Stop living the way you're living and live for God. Get baptized and let's do this. Amen? How many of us have been here? This weekend we've been here. It's a high moment. It's a mountain moment. We're excited. We're, we're, we're filled. We're, we're, we're there's, there's desire to, to know a little bit more. Now what? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? I know I've been here many times where you, you get excited for what God is doing. It's a mountaintop experience, and then you kind of have to go down to the real world, right? You kind of have to ask yourself, what am I going to do now? Like, the excitement is gone. The people are gone. You know, I don't, I don't feel the butterflies anymore. Or now i got to make some decisions. Now i, I got to make some choices. I, I don't really know how to do those things, right? But what the early church did was profound, right? Profound. When I read my Bible, it doesn't say that everyone leaves that because the goosebumps are gone. It doesn't, it doesn't say that the feelings and the emotions start to calm down. It doesn't say that everyone just goes home and they begin to do their own thing. It doesn't say that, you know, some decided to pray every now and again. It doesn't say that, you know, some people occasionally go to the temple. It doesn't say that. There, there is an excitement happening in the lives of these people. And what they decide to do is form a community. Simple as that. They begin to form a community. They begin to do something about what they received that moment when the Holy Spirit fell. That community is the early church. They, they understood the importance of devoting themselves to each other and to and, and Jesus Christ. The early church understood that not only did they need the Holy Spirit, but they also needed, needed each other. I think that's something that sometimes we lose sight of. Let your neighbor know that they are needed. Feel free to, to get involved. Tell somebody left or your right, say, say you're needed, let them know a little uncomfortable. I get it, but we're talking. We, we, we want everybody to know that they are needed in this place. Amen? So some words that you hear when, when talking about the early church are radical, courageous, genuine, they were hungry, and they were on fire. Th- th- those are amazing words to call a church. Hungry, genuine, real, on fire, courageous, radical, but I think they understood the importance of something that we often lose sight of, the importance of togetherness and unity. It wasn't about what the music sounded like. It wasn't about the age groups that was there and the kids' ministry or how good the coffee was. The the powerful thing was the togetherness and the unity. So sometimes we fall for a couple of traps when it comes to community, when it comes to togetherness. You might call them traps, you might call them counterfeits, but there's often things that we, we, we struggle with and we wrestle with because we feel that my first point is that we don't need anyone else added in our lives. Is, is that a real thing? Why would we want another person added to our lives? Why would we want to have another person in our business? Right. Why do we want to deal with the drama that people bring? Because it's true. People bring drama. Right. We can be honest here. It's church. Right. But we believe that we don't need anyone else. We believe that we can solve this on our own. We believe that we can walk this walk on our, on our on our own. All I need is beans rice in Jesus Christ, right? That's something that we hear in East LA. But we believe that we are better by ourselves. No one's in your business. I don't have to open up. I don't have to let people in. You know, you don't have to battle with any drama. Maybe you're on the other side and you just you don't want to let people down. You know, you don't want people to let you down. Maybe you don't want to be a burden. So you just kind of close yourself off. You kind of isolate yourself and just say, you know what? I'm just going to figure this out on my own. And you know what? I get it. As a pastor, I get it. I'm probably the only pastor that will say, you know what? People equal problems. It's messy. People are messy. People bring problems. And sadly, people bring drama. And it's hard to navigate through those things. But I can say with all conviction, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the gift of wisdom and discernment, we can make this work. We can make this community work. We can make this church work with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the power of God. Amen. So being close to this church and this leadership, um, um, having the, the, the weekend that we have had, I, I just want to let you guys know that you guys are in good hands, that there is a lot of things that God is doing in the life of this church. And with this, with, with the leadership couples that you have here, the eldership, you guys are in a safe place. But I also want to say that being alone is a choice. Knowing the people that are in the life of this church, if you feel alone, you are choosing to be alone. Because I know that this room is filled with people who want to be your friend, who want to see God move in your life. And I believe that all we have to do is raise our hand and say, I want that too. Amen? So sometimes we have to lay down some of our pride. We might have to... Um, push through the past hurts. We might have to trust what God actually says in his word. Amen. There are many scriptures that let us know that we are better together. Many scriptures that remind us the importance of togetherness and friendship, partnership, and that word community. But somehow we still feel like we can make an excuse to not want the community. We feel like we can make an excuse to say, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. That may be for you, But that's not for me. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 27, just real quick. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's biblical. Ironing, sharpening uh, iron, being there for each other. A friend sharpens a friend. John 13, verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It doesn't say how well you dress. It doesn't say how well you act. It doesn't say how good kids' ministry is or how good that coffee is back there. But how you love each other will let the world know and everybody outside these doors that you are a follower of Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verse 9 to 12 says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? And a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. The importance of togetherness and unity and friendship and partnership. It's in the Bible. I'm sorry. There are many names for the church. The body of Christ, the army of Christ. What about the community? What about the community of Christ? What about the church? When we read about the body of Christ, we understand that each and every one of us has a part to play in that. We are the body of Christ. Some might be hands, some might be elbows, some might be toes, eyelashes, or whatever it may be. But we all make one body. There's a unity that happens, there's a function that we cannot function without the other. That's a, that's a togetherness. That's, there, there is um, some importance there. The body of Christ. There is an importance of unity. There is an importance of watching over each other, encouraging one another, and yes, loving each other. But we have a tendency to finding, or for finding a way out, we have a tendency to just kind of avoid all of the lovey-dovey closeness stuff, right? We do, but I believe the Bible makes it very clear that we are made for connection. I believe the Bible makes it very clear that we are made for relationship, and I understand highly that is Christ's heart that we understand that we are better together. This church is stronger together. This church is, is a picture of what unity and what holiness looks like when we are together and unified, amen? And another counterfeit. So the first counterfeit or the first trap was feeling like we don't need anybody. Now another counterfeit to, to community is the idea that we are so connected. Um, today we have social media. We have Facebook, and we have Instagram, and we have followers, and we have friends. And, you know, our, our interactions together can be very shallow because I like the picture that I'm with you, you know, and, and it, there's, there, our, our conversations become very superficial, very shallow, and uh, many of us still feel like we don't have that connection or those friends despite the numbers that are on our social media pages, right? It still leaves us kind of lonely and empty. So to the point where we come in contact with each other, there feels like something is missing. And I want to tell you that that, that is a counterfeit of, of Christ community, right? We can't just go for the followers. We're not here about just text messages and liking a text message is it communicating and it isn't community, amen? That's just answering a quick question. But that distorts the real heart of what real community looks like and it becomes a counterfeit to the real Christ community. The definition of a community in the, in the, I almost said the Bible, in the dictionary is a unified body of individuals, the peop, uh, people with common interests living in a particular area, a group of people with a common characteristics or interests living together with a large, uh, within a larger society. That is the definition of what community looks like. And I want to add a little warning to that definition of what community looks like. Because if a community is solely based on on the things that we like or the proximity in which we live that's a shallow community if our community is solely based on the foundations of interest and proximity that's going to be a shallow community leaving each and every one of us wanting more that's going to make us feel empty so i don't believe a community that christ is building and adding to should be something where we all look the same we all act the same and we all have some interests, the same interests, or we're all from the same area. I believe that Christ is building a deeper and a bigger Christ-like community, amen? I don't believe that's what the kingdom of God looks like and the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. I don't believe that it is a perfect picture of an authentic community. So for example, I'm gonna ask you guys some questions, just quickly. If I was an unbeliever new to the area, By a show of hands, who is the age of 37 to 40? If you are the age of 37 or 40, raise your hand. Nobody. How many of you are from L.A.? One. How many of you, I love sports. Sports are my thing. How many of you love the Dodgers and the Lakers? Surely you guys have kids, right? How many of you have three kids? All right, we're somewhere. Now, are those kids from the age of six to eight? Man. How many of you here love movies? Raise your hand if you love movies. I hate movies. (laughs) I don't watch movies. I'm a terrible moviegoer. How many of you love cats, cat people? I'm allergic to cats. But that's, those are some things that I would say are important to me. My kids are important to me. I love sports. That's important to me. Having people that look like you is important, that are from the same area are important, that want to do the same things you want to do. That's important. But based off those show of hands, if I would come through these doors as an as a unbeliever and a visitor, I would instantly see everybody, hear everybody, and go, there is no place for me here. We don't like the same things. We're not from the same place. We don't do the same things. This is not a right fit for me, and I would run out those doors as fast as possible. So community can, can't be based purely on preferences and feelings. We can't be on our, our interests and, and our proximity of where we live. That can't be a Christ community. It can't be. So, what do we have in common if we're talking about interests? Jesus Christ. How many of you have given your lives to the Lord in this place? Or at some time? That's what we have in common. Jesus Christ. We've all been adopted into a family. We were all once sinners, but yet we have been redeemed. All of us have been forgiven for our sins. We are united in Christ we have all been given a hope and a freedom. We are all children of God. If you have given uh, your life to Jesus, you are a child of God. That's what we have in common. That's, as much as I love the Lakers, that's way deeper and better than our love for a basketball team. Amen? So I'm going to read Acts 2. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I told you to turn there, and then I just completely skipped it. So Acts 2, verse 36, and then we are skipping down. This is Peter talking. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced through their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe that Peter said, what Peter said, were baptized and added to, all, to the church uh, that day, about 3,000 in all. In verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That is an amazing, amazing picture of what a powerful unified church can do. But the early church devoted themselves is key. They they devoted themselves to growth and to impact. And I believe that some of the points are are in this portion of Scripture for us to practice. Amen? It's good enough for Detroit, and it's good enough for L.A. So I want us to understand what this authentic community looks like, and that it's important. So all the believers devoted themselves to the uh, teachings, to the fellowship, and to sharing in meals and to prayer. That word, devoted— is an important key word that was just placed on my heart when I was praying for this church and when I was praying for our time here. Um, it means loyalty. It means devotion, love, enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. And the, the early church knew that they had to devote themselves to something and they devoted themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So what were the apostles' teaching? What they seen Jesus do. What we read in the New Testament they devoted themselves essentially to the word of God that we have here today, right? They, they, they devoted themselves to Christ's uh, death, his life, his resurrection, and they didn't have any of the New Testament scriptures. We do, so we we're blessed to have that, but we, they shared the experience that they saw Jesus walking and what he did on a daily basis with, with the people. So here today, we have the word of God, and why is the word important? What do, we, what do we have here for, for God's living word that is penned by men who lived and see Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit? It's for our strengthening and our encouragement and our maturity. So when you build your community based off the word of God, that makes for a very strong foundation for your church. It's not based off anything else but what we read in the word of God. It's not based off our preferences or our likes or what we think is good or good ideas. It's based off the word of God. Amen. The word of God. The early church was devoted to growth. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to what the word brought, which is joy, which is knowledge, which is encouragement, which is peace, wisdom. It encouraged them to persevere in their faith despite any challenges or trials that they were facing. The early church was devoted to the word of God. They were also devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to each other, people, togetherness, friendships, discipleship, deep connections, togetherness for the purpose of Christ. Amen? Intentional time, purposeful time, centered around the things that we read about. They shared meals. And I want to say, God can move around a dinner table. We don't need the community house for God to move. The community house is just a building that that keeps us warm, that keeps us dry. But God is in each of us, right? God can move around a dinner table. And all are invited around a dinner table. I've learned so much sitting around eating tacos. I've learned so much of, of who God is by just watching other people interact with their kids and with their wives and with their husbands. Just sharing meals, just talking, being able to be open, and the walls come down, and just seeing real life Christians, real life believers just do real life things. I've learned so much. I felt so loved. I felt so connected. Someone inviting me over, someone opening our doors and just letting me stay home, stay at their house till midnight. Nothing says I love you than allowing people to just stay in your home till midnight. All the fear, all the walls come down. You see someone interact with their family, and you realize, wow this person just really loves Jesus. He's not really, really holy. She's not really, really like supernatural and weird. She just really loves Jesus. She's a normal person. He's a normal person. They're just like me. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. And when the church prays, things change. When the church prays, chains fall. When the church prays, the earth shakes. There is power in our prayers. There is power when we are unified together praying for to see God move on the behalf of our brother and our sister. Lives are transformed. And I believe prayer will be key for this church. I believe there's a lot of prayer that will be taking place in, in, in Border City. But let's get a little personal. Are you praying for the person that's sitting to your left and to your right? Are you praying daily prayers? for the lives that are represented here in Border City? Are you praying for the leadership? Are you praying for the eldership team? Are you lifting them up? And I'm not saying just those, I will pray for you prayers. How many of you know those? I'll be praying, praying for you brother. And we never ever talk to God about that, right? I'm talking real powerful prayers, actually pray big prayers, praying for God to move, Praying for God to build, praying for God to heal, praying for God to bring the harvest. There's lots of words about the harvest this weekend. Are we praying for that outside world? Are we praying for each seat to be filled? We have to be praying. We've heard amazing prayers during community group this weekend. Keep that heart, keep that faith, keep that fire burning. Keep trusting in the Lord. So what else did the early church do? All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. An authentic church meets each other's needs. An authentic church meets meets each other's needs. That's not just based on the lead couple to meet each other's needs. It's the church. It's the community. It's the body of Christ. Amen? a, a, A true church, a community supports one another. They meet each other's needs. So if there is any needs that is happening in the life of this church, I would hope that you are praying on those things and seeing, God, what can I do to send me? What can I do to help? What can I do? They also sold property and possessions and their money with those in need. And I want to just make that clear. We're not selling our houses for each other. We can if we needed to. It doesn't just mean we're throwing money around, but that there was nobody in need. If there was a need the need would be met. But they sold their property. They sold possessions, money with those in need. There was no need in the life of that church. And they didn't just give things, not just food, not just property, not just money, but they gave of their lives. And that's the hardest one sometimes. Sometimes it's easy to just write a check. Sometimes it's easy to give a dollar. I'm talking about giving your lives for the person to the left and to the right of you. Giving your lives for the person that's going to come through one day. Sharing your life in every aspect that is a powerful thing. They worship together each day. They met at homes for the Lord's Supper and communion. I love that picture of communion that we shared in community group, taking the time to meet together and doing what? remembering what Christ is doing. remembering what Christ has done. It's a powerful picture. And every, and every now and then, we're going to have to remind ourselves what God is doing, what Christ has done. They remember what Jesus did for them. And what does it say? And they did this with all bad hearts and much complaining. Mm-mm. I get it. Sometimes church can be hard. Another meeting, another community group. Ugh. Look at the Traffic. Another night of staying up till midnight? Are you serious? Sometimes we can serve Christ with constant complaining and a bad heart. It's true. But the early church did it. At least that's not what my Bible says. They said, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. I think that's an amazing picture of it just wasn't a job or another thing to do. It was what they wanted to do. It was, they were doing what Christ called them to do and being who Christ has called them to be. So what was the fruit of all this? All of this madness. Opening up your life, sharing meals, praying, devoting yourselves to each other, actually devoting yourselves to each other. Praying, but actually praying. Doing it with a good heart. Doing it with generosity. Meeting each other's needs. Making sure that no one had a need supporting each other, loving each other. What was the fruit? Each day, the Lord added to their numbers. Each day, the Lord added to their numbers. People were coming through and giving their lives to the Lord. And if that's not why we do church, then I don't know why we're doing it. Each day, the Lord added to their numbers. Each day, someone was added to the kingdom of God. The early church was devoted to seeing growth and salvation. The early church was devoted to seeing lives added to their fellowship. It wasn't, it didn't ruin what they were doing when a new person came in. It it was the power, it was the fuel. Yes, another salvation, another life in this. Gross, salvation, lives added to their fellowship. Chains were broken, lives were transformed. Lives pulled from darkness and death to light and life. That should excite this church. That should be the goal of this church as we strive for authentic community, as we strive for togetherness and friendship, Christ um, partnership, that should be our goal, is wanting to see that. The word of God, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. They were devoted to God and they were devoted to each other. Notice that it doesn't say anything about being devoted to striving, devoted to being holy and being perfect. It didn't say anything about striving to look and play the part. It was actually just being who Christ has called them to be. It wasn't about putting on a show and a front. It wasn't about how good the worship was and what songs you like and don't like. It's not about those things. Those things are gifts. But it was about being devoted to each other and to Christ. So my question this morning can we say that we are devoted to the person to your left and to your right? Can you honestly say that you are devoted to the people in this room? Are you devoted to living how this word tells us to live? Are we devoted to loving the way that this word tells us how to love? Are you devoted to building an authentic community? And it doesn't come easily, and I understand that. But I believe as Christ followers, we want to be in tune with what this word is saying. The Bible has a lot of one another's in it, a lot of one another's, and I've kind of compiled them um, for this preach. I've put them all together. They're not in any order. But how does this community sound as I read this to you? What, if, if this was your community, how would it make you feel? This is all from the Bible. Here we go. Be a community that loves one another, that cares for one another, That serves one another. That shows grace to one another. That forgives one another. That admonishes one another. That keeps fervent in love for one another. That uses their gift to serve one another. That greets one another. That stays in the same mind. That is the same mind towards one another. That speaks in songs and hymns to one another. That builds up one another. That comforts one another. That prays for one another that lives in peace for one another, that seeks after that which is good for one another, that closes uh, ourselves in humility, humility towards one another, that lives in submission to one another, that confesses sins to one another, that gives preference to one another, that honors and encourages one another. How many of us would reject that community? If that was Border City, who would say, you know what? It's too much good happening in this place. You know what? There's too much grace happening in this place. There's too much love happening in this place. You know what? People are carrying on me way too much. I don't believe anybody would reject that. I don't believe anybody would would be focused on the superficial things that happen. But we would be focused on what God is doing. Who says no to this type of lifestyle? Who would reject this community? Who says, you know what, man, there's uh, Paul. He's just, he's been honoring me too much. He's, He's been respecting me way too much. There's too much freedom happening in this place. It's too uplifting. This church is just too helpful. It's too powerful. It's too peaceful. Every time I come in here, it's just way too peaceful. It's too real. There's some real stuff going on, and I know about it. It's too authentic. It's too real. I want to encourage us today that that should be our goal day in and day out, that we are this type of church that serves one another and loves one another, that devotes um, ourselves to one another. I want to be clear that Jesus Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And like anything, there's a warning. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy all that Christ is doing within this church. And I want to be clear that God desires oneness and connection and unity. I want to say the devil desires to bring division and isolation and disunity. We cannot be devoted to Jesus and choose to be alone and isolated. We cannot be devoted to each other and then allow division and disunity to fester inside of us. We cannot be the body of Christ with severed limbs. In a real community, in a Christ community, there's, there's, there's love in every coffee time. There's purpose at every park play day. There's power in every text message. Transformation is taking place every night when there's a pizza and a game night taking place. There's joy and encouragement in every ladies' craft time. An invitation to more in Jesus in every community group night that you attend. It's not just about doing things. It's about being expected for God to move in those things. Sharing in life together, even though we are far from perfect, we will choose God and we will choose each other to have an authentic community. And it will take effort and it will take action. It will take grace. But as we submit to this word and as we trust what God has written in and what God is saying over us and we practice the one another's that I just read, we can see the importance and impact of a genuine authentic community in Border City Church. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Steve, that's so good.